like Son Like Father with Antonio and Willie Harrison, a real open and honest conversation between a father and son. There ain't no love like the love of a father. Hey, Dad. Hey, son. So this show wouldn't be complete unless we had my mother on to share her side of the story and her experience. So with me today is my wonderful mom, Mia. How you doing, mom? Hi, how you doing, son? I'm good. I'm not really sure how long this is going to last, but we'll rock it out as far as we need to. Okay. So I have a bunch of questions, as I always do with any of dad's episodes, Jay, Kevin, Michael, anybody. Uh, So I just want to go through these questions and wherever, whatever path it leads us down, it leads us down. How do you feel about what I'm doing with respect to having this show uh, surrounding dad's life? Well, to be real honest, I was real happy at first. I because I'm an extroverted introvert, if that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. It was a little hard for me because I grew up in an era where you were leave it to beaver when you walked out the door. And father knows best when you walk out the door, but behind closed doors, it was utter chaos and dysfunction, and you weren't supposed to say anything. Mm-hmm. So I actually feel kind of, it's it's like a backhanded compliment to myself, but I'm proud that, because all I wanted was for you guys to be able to be comfortable with the truth, because I was not always comfortable with the truth, and we had to constantly hold things in. Whatever was up, I told you, and it was just us, so I didn't. I hadn't. I was like, okay, you have to understand this because this is what's going on. But then, in another sense, it's kind of uncomfortable because throughout listening to it, there's a lot of things that I didn't know were happening, and I almost feel like really stupid and like, how could I not see it? But I begin to realize we all perceive things in our own way, right? And it doesn't matter if we all grew up in the same house. You know, I was young. Dad had his issue. We basically we were two damaged people. That got together, and what brought us together were our damages, if that makes any sense. And it's almost like we kind of created collateral damage. And it, it is what it is, but I wouldn't be who I am today, and I actually like who I am today, if I hadn't been through everything I'd been through. I'd be a totally different person, and my kids would be as well. I don't know if this makes you feel better about it, but when people reach out to me, whether through Facebook or text message, they enjoy the show for entertainment purpose, but more so they enjoy the show because of how real it is, how people can, people start to feel as though they can relate because everybody's family has issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from the outside, it may not seem so bad, but then once it's shared, people can start to connect with, well, I kind of went through the same thing, just different stuff. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I mean, I'm, I'm at a point in my life. I mean, I'm 53, you know? I live, work, grew up in the same community. If they don't know me, they know you. If they don't know you, they know Jay. If they don't know the three of us, then they know dad. And believe me, the people couldn't be more diverse. Well, and one of the reasons I asked you how you felt about this show, well, one is I ask anybody who comes on about it. And then two, before doing the last episode with dad, he mentioned how you had made the remark How come they don't remember any of the good stuff? I want you to kind of elaborate on that. Okay, well, I can elaborate on a lot of things because um, one of the things that slightly bothers me about the show is there's been more than one time where dad has been on the show when he's been inebriated. And a lot of times what he's said is not what I said. And it's hard for me to discuss it with him because unfortunately, the lucid times, it's like he doesn't remember. I mean, he I don't know if it's the drugs, the age, the combination of everything. But it gets all turned around, then he gets upset, then he gets bejumbled. So it's just like, okay, if that's so, what you, So that specific remark you never made or? No, I said, you know, they keep talking about everything. And I said, and it seems like they don't remember that at one time we did have some nice times. I said, but, and this is when I told him, I said, however, I'm beginning to understand, especially after I listened to Jay's episode, that we all perceive things totally different. We can all hear things, we all see things, we all grow up, but we each take it in in a totally different way. And it's kind of like when you play the game when you're a kid 
And it, it's kind of funny to me because I tried to explain it to your dad, and I forget he didn't have a childhood, so he doesn't know that game telephone. Yeah. Where you start off and you say yeah. this, and by you get to the end of the room, it's totally different. And that's kind of the way I see it. Before we go any further, honestly, you probably have, even though we all have seen things from a different perspective, you probably have a better memory of things just because your memory is not clouded. I mean, for those of you who don't know, my mom has never smoked, has never drank any alcohol, that she just doesn't do that stuff. So you saw everything through sober eyes, even when, as we got older, Jay and myself, where we started to partake in party favors. So before we go any further, I want to give you the chance and just briefly, very specific, if there's any corrections that not all of them, but just any corrections you feel are very pertinent that need to be stated. The time frames and the different, there's just so many different things that were off. And it wasn't so much that they were incorrect or those things didn't happen, but it it's like the time frames. Like dad was out of Kevin and Michael's life when they were like three. Is that kind of thing. It's like you remembered, I had been working for the district, dad going to college. He didn't start that till after you were born in the county. He was at the, like, there's just different time frames. So the, the stories aren't inaccurate. It's no. just the time frame is the mixed up. The time frames, and a lot of times when dad says, oh, well, mom said this. Like, I never said for you to come home after college when you had your accident. I'm the one, and I'm sorry I, that they gave you a 25-year-old white lady who had no clue. But I was like, no, you don't know my son. I said, when he starts something, he finishes something. And I said, sports is, is, was his life. Like he, in his mind, he was going to be pro. He was going to have an education. I said, he only really got the education because I kind of told him you don't have a choice. So I called the school and I said, look, you guys got to do something because I'm worried because your friends would call me and mm -hmm. they'd be worried about comments that you would make. I didn't have the funds. Your dad's out in left field. I didn't have funds to... Like, I felt like I needed to be back there with you, but I also felt this was something I know how you are and you do things in a cathartic fashion and you had to do it in your own way, shape or form. And you leaving school w was not it. And I never said that. One thing that was very interesting to me when you guys were talking about psychics, it brought back a very poignant memory in my mind. Psychics? Yeah. Like you guys were talking about how like you believe basically in a, an outside world, in a spiritual uh -huh. world. Yeah. And my mother was very much that way. I mean, she was very much a woman before her time. And so a lot of people didn't understand her fully. But she would go to these like mediums or whatever. And I would be like, yeah, okay, whatever, mom. Okay. And the lady asked, I had just started seeing your dad. Um, I want to say I might have been pregnant with you. And she said, I, I need something of your daughter's that only she's worn and that she wears all the time. And I remember giving her my, I said, okay, mom, whatever. And I had to put my bread in this little plastic bag. I gave it to my mom. And lo and behold, the when the woman came back, my mom said, I'm so worried for you. I go, why? And she says, the psychic said, our medium, I don't know what exactly she was, said that your life is going to be surrounded by police. And I was like, yeah, right. Like yeah. I had no clue what was to come in the years. Your dad did tell me in the beginning his situation, I understood it, but he was not that person. Like, that well, wasn't who he is. So let's go there. That's my next mm -hmm. question. Is the story about how you guys met accurate? It's kind of accurate. I had a friend. We worked at Del Taco. Her dad was the director of San Marino Water and Power. And dad had just gotten out of prison, and he was living in a halfway house in L.A. And he was a security guard up there. And I enjoy talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not good in crowds, but I'm real good one-on-one. -on -one. And your dad was really interesting to me. We had a lot of the same things in common. But I he, just, I mean, you're a senior in high school. I. But you have to understand, I never dealt with people my own age. And that's why in school, I never had a huge group of friends. I had three or four. The majority of my friends were always adults. So the common interest was the appeal. Yeah. It was like, we liked the same music. He, We liked the same cars. We like the same kind of things. And then I have well, to admit, I'm a sucker for muscles. And your daddy had a lot of muscles. Yeah. <laughs> so was he upfront about his history and his past? In the beginning, he wasn't. He wasn't even upfront about his age. It was kind of funny. He was driving a green Camaro or Thunderbird. So it wasn't a Thunderbird. I think it was a Camaro. He kept saying saying he was like 24 or something like that. And you know, your dad does look young, but the music he was speaking about was music that would make him more like in his thirties. Right. 
And as you know, I'm an, I'm an extremely intrusive person. And he always had papers. He, your dad is a he's he likes to write, and so he would always be writing. I would, and jokingly, I was like, "Give me that. Let me look at it." And I saw the word incarcerated. And mind you, I'm a little girl raised in Sierra Madre, and basically, my parents tried to raise me with blinders. And I was academically and verbally intelligent, but things like that. And I'm thinking to myself, incarcerated? That means jail, doesn't it? And that's something I I had never known anybody in that. And I kind of thought about it, but when you're 17, you think about it, but it's like, ah, whatever, he's nice. So you weren't scared about anything. uh -uh. And then one day we went to um, a park, and he says, I, and what I didn't know was that he was on parole too. So he's like, I got something to tell you. And your dad has this brick wall on the outside and you have to chip away at it to get the gushy soft part on the inside and the gushy soft part that's the person I know that's the person I fell in love with that's the person that comes out even in his dark moments he'll show that glimmer and then you're like oh he's back and then he goes again and we went to the park and he told me and he sat down and he literally gave me his file and he allowed me to read it I, he answered all my questions. He answered And what was your questions. first, were you, you guys left the park being okay with all of it? Or? Okay, you have to remember, I'm 17. I'm so naive. I didn't even, I look back on it now, and I have a close friend who says, God, Mia, there was just red flags whipping you in the face. Like, Did you share that with Nana? Are you kidding me? I don't know. No. I, okay. my mom, actually, my mom was really a lot like your dad in the fact that they're very out there, very social. But she, I mean, think about it. I'm 17. He's 13. There's 13 years between me and your dad. And there's 10 years between your dad and Nana. And I understand, I didn't understand at the time, but I understood as later on as an adult that when you're 17 and this guy's 30 something, that's like totally not cool. So you kind of touched on how Nana felt about it. She just didn't like the age thing. Is there any more to that? And also, I I can't even call him grandfather, but Romulo. How did they feel about the whole situation? Were they just not happy at all? My dad's name is Romulo. And our relationship had been strained for quite some time. And he and my mom's relationship had been strained for years. And finally, when I left the house, they decided, you know, just to go their separate ways. However, my mom was concerned because of his age. She was concerned that he was already divorced. She was concerned because he already had a child. And in her mind, is he with a 17-year-old because no 30-year-old women want him? Like that's, and she literally told me that. She, her, one of her questions was like, okay, so you love him. Why do you love him? And I'm 17. I just love him. You know, I couldn't even answer that question. In my mom's eyes, I was this little naive little girl, you know, and she she told me that she didn't feel like she was done raising me. And with my father, basically, I want to say it may have been seventh or eighth grade, my dad was a big punished person. And I'll never forget it. We were in our house at 106. I'm like you. I remember all my addresses, 106 East Allegria, and it was the first house that my parents bought. I had done something stupid in school, and I was not, when I look back on it, the things I did were not what you would consider bad. I had a big mouth. I talked a lot, whatever. But he came to my room, and I was going to get in trouble, and he was going to hit me because that's what he would do with the belt. And he would do it like 20 and 30 times on your butt, and it, it was not pleasant. And I looked at him. And I had, I played baseball for many years and I picked up my bat and that was back then when you had wooden bats. And I said, if you touch me again, I'm going to take this bat and I'm going to kill you. And we just literally stopped talking after that. And that was the end of that. And he was not happy with your dad. And what's even funnier is, is that he and my mom had separated and he had a house up in Palmdale. He didn't ever really... come to see you or deal with you it's like do you know you're going to be living in the ghetto you marry a black man you know it's going to be like for your kids and da 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 and I'm like really guy and he came to Sandy's one day and Sandy that's the babysitter that the kids had and he called me and he said she said I think it's your dad but someone has come here and is asking for the Salazar children he just wants to see them and I'm all like, well, and she described him. My dad is Latino, but he looks like a Filipino with curly hair. And she described him. I'm like, that's him. I said, well, you let him look at him, but he can't talk to him. Like, I don't want him to have any dealings with him because he's mean. And I didn't know what he would do. 
And she says, okay, so he went in, he looked at you guys, you were asleep, and he left. And that was it. They weren't happy. But it was like once you were born, it was just like this, like, okay. And she knows me. Once I make a decision, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But my dad was never happy, and he just stopped talking to us, and that was it. And I didn't care, and I stopped reaching out to him. Do you think had Nana lived longer that things would have been different? I know they would have been different for your sister because I think Jay would have formed a very strong bond with her. And I feel that they, I might have been pushed to the side, but for Jay's sake, I probably would have said it. it's a better situation. And I don't know how she would react because, of course, my mom would have been able to, you know, notice that your dad wasn't there for a while. But I think that they would be extremely close. But do you think Nana would have had conversations with you to where when things started to go south and things were kind of crazy and hectic to where it would have changed our path or direction? Or do you Uh, think you would have continued to be where we are now? I think she would have made the attempt. But if my mom told me to, to the sky was blue, I would say it was gray because we had a very different personality. And I can't say for sure, but I kind of always knew I never could go back home. So I, I don't really know. I can't say for sure. I know she would have had a lot of comments, and I know she would have said a lot of things, and I know she would have, and it might have completely changed, but I don't really know. And I think that people need to know, and I think you guys already know, but the rest of the world may not know. I'm a very anxiety-driven person, and I feel like if I can't control it, then things are going to go wrong, and then I feel like I'm drowning. So I have a tendency to be extremely overbearing and extremely controlling, and it's something that I'm trying to work on, but it's really difficult because if I'm not in control, it feels like my world is just spinning and I'm drowning and I'm not above water. Like my head just keeps bobbing. Well, you're safe here. This isn't a whirlpool. I know. So so you guys get married. Mm -hmm. You have us. We were living in the apartment in West Covina, and we ended up moving to Milton. What was the first sign of the fairy tale not being so true? Or I won't even say the fairy tale because if he showed you a file, what was the first sign that something's wrong, something's off? It was slightly after you were born. You were born on Workman in the apartment. We were there for one year longer. Then we moved to Milton, and Jay was actually born on the Milton Street. I was pregnant with her. I was working at Willard. And your dad and I had gotten into a really bad argument. And I, we both have addictive personalities. And your dad was taking alcohol to the next level. And mm-hmm. I wasn't used to seeing that. And when he drinks alcohol, he's a totally different person. And I was like, I'm just going to, I, I, I'm going to have to take Tony. and I'm going to have to go. I don't know what, I didn't know where I was going to go. I was making, working six hours a day, five days a week. And my take home pay was $360. So my, and I couldn't go, I could have gone back home, but in my mind, I couldn't have gone back home and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I just thought to myself, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I just kind of felt, I don't want to say stuck, but I felt stuck. And then things started to get better for whatever reason. And I wanted another child. I got pregnant with your sister. We moved to a house. Your dad got a job working with um, the county. So it was like, a career job so he wasn't in these dead-end jobs that he didn't like and that he would you know get get upset with bosses and say things that you know you shouldn't say to a boss and he was doing real well with the county I had moved up in the district it was like I could finally see some light at the some end of the light tunnel. at the end of the tunnel and then my mom got sick dad mentions how you know as dope you started with his family and I want to ask you one how did you feel about his family and how did they treat you I didn't particularly care for his family at all. The his brother Robert and his brother James were the and his mom were the only ones that and he actually had a nephew Lawrence who's deceased, which is um, Patricia's oldest brother. He's actually older than me. They were the only ones that treated me like with any kind of respect or decency or even spoke to me. Because I remember Robert James coming over to the house often and obviously you know we were always at granny's place yeah and lawrence was deceased by the time like he died he was actually murdered shortly after you were born and it was hard because dad's nieces and nephews were older than me and so it was very generational and on top of that it was cultural which in my home when we had a dinner party 
everybody came together, male, female. We talked, everything. We'd go to a party at your granny's house. The guys would go outside. The ladies would be in the kitchen. And the nieces and nephews would be, you know, dropping their kids off and going partying or whatever. And here I am in the kitchen with people that are like 40, 50, 60. I'm 18, 19, 20. And then his nieces would say, oh, you know, I was always really good with kids. And they'd be like, hey, aunt, can you watch the kids? But it was me watching them because dad was out there. And I'll never forget one day I stepped out on the porch and I like playing dominoes. So here's a bunch of African-American males yeah, drinking, smoking. And I go sit down at the domino table and act like it's going to be my turn next. The look on your dad's face <laughs> was like, what are you yeah what are you doing yeah i could could totally picture that and i'm like i'm playing dominoes like i'm good with numbers i'm quick and i got i thought to myself hey that ain't he doesn't want me so then it got to a point where i just stopped going over there unless i was going specifically to his mother's house and i didn't like you guys around there because there's too much too much stuff too much too much drugs alcohol fighting incestual i mean it was just it was it's horrendous well, and we did spend a lot of time at Granny's, though. You did. And so Granny treated you well then. Granny always liked me. She was always really nice. It's funny. I was just talking to your dad the other day. I never really knew what to call her, so I never called her by name or Mrs. Dunmar's. I look back on it, it's like I didn't feel comfortable calling her mom. I definitely didn't feel comfortable calling her Josephine. And Mrs. Dunmar sounded too formal. So I just never, I would use the term granny or I would say something, but I never actually called her a physical name. Oh. Do you think things would have been different had granny been alive longer with our family? Um, I think, I think you guys would have enjoyed her. She's the type of person, I think she she was actually born in 1918, and I think that she had seen so much. Just in her own just lifetime. Just in her own life that in her mind. If anything's better than anything's what. Anything's better. And I'll, I'll tell you something that was very interesting to me, and I thought to myself, gosh, Jay was always very creative. And she used to write these, even though she had a hard time reading and writing, she would make these little books when she was little. And they were full-on stories with pictures. She wouldn't always be able to write what she wanted, but you could kind of like tell what she was saying. And I never forget, because Granny was always very complimentary to anybody and to everybody. And she said, oh, honey, you're going to make such a good secretary. And it didn't dawn. I'm like, secretary? Jay could be whatever she wanted to be. And it didn't. But for Granny, that was a. For Granny, that was a big thing. And then that's when I started realizing that you always think you should surpass the level of your parents. Mm -hmm. Financially, academically, emotionally, like in all ways and shapes. And I'm thinking to myself, I haven't even surpassed, I haven't even made it to where my parents were. And then I thought, but your dad, in his mind, he's come from a dirt floor plantation slave quarters with newspaper for wallpaper to having a job at the county with medical benefits and a retirement. He's made it. And people respect it. He's made it. So in his mind, I, I, I'm just going to stop. Even like the school thing, the SC thing. It's very interesting how he perceives it, but he didn't start school. There was a special program with the county that they offered dad at SC. And so he and Peggy took it. Peggy actually finished. Your dad had two classes, Spanish and math. But because of his, not because he's not smart, he's, your dad used to read textbooks for pleasure. I'm like, really? You go to the library and get a textbook? Who does that? But those classes were so difficult for him, but he never had a basic foundation. And then this white teacher, white professor, I don't know if she handled it in the right way, but I understood what she was saying. She was trying to tell dad how smart and how gifted he was, but the only thing he heard was, she's calling me dumb. She told him, there's going to come a point in your time as you grow you're going to have to change your vocabulary. You can't use cutting off, hollering at, and you're going to have to bring up your grammar and your spelling and your yeah. all that kind of stuff. But once she said that, and then they told him he had to take like 25 classes just to get to college algebra, and then he had to pass Spanish, it was like he just said, Psh. Fuck it. Yeah. yeah. And she didn't understand. I kept trying to tell him. I said, maybe she didn't say it in the right way, but basically what she's saying is you could do all this, but... When you get in that circle, you have to change. Yeah. So when did you recognize or find out about the dope use and how do you feel about it? 
Okay, you want to talk about stupid naive? Thank the Lord I do like to watch TV. Cops, the TV show, had come out. And I've always been fascinated with law enforcement and crime and mafia. I don't know why, just I have. So I used to watch it religiously. And one day they arrested a female. And it was when crack first came out. And mind you, I had been dealing with my mom going over to her house in the morning, taking off at lunch, going over to her house, going off in the evening, taking care of you guys, then working the second job. And I was literally just in zombie mode. So I'm watching cops. They arrested this white lady who like missing teeth, skin all messed up. And they dumped out her purse on the, the trunk of the police car. And there happened to be a picture that fell out that was of the way she used to look. She mm. was model pretty. Right. And then they started explaining, this is a crack pipe. This is steel wool. They use it to do this. This is called a pusher. Now, mind you, you're talking about a person who doesn't, like I had to look up what a keg head or whatever that term is you use. I don't know that stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. Like things started clicking. And I thought, that's why I used to think you guys were taking, because we used to use steel wool back in the day to scrub pots. I used to think you little goofballs were taking it apart for whatever reason because you had a habit of taking apart stuff no and i was like when i'm finding it it's not the kids it's him and then back in the day everybody had wire hangers so that all the time the tops of the wire hangers would be broken off i remember that and i'd be like what the heck and all of a sudden i put everything together and i literally remember we were in, we were in the house on Milton. It was maybe eight months after my mom had died because right after, right at the time my mom was died, your dad allowed Robert to come stay with us for a while, and he was also a user and still is. I didn't know that at the time. I surmised it later in my head. Mind you, I'm your age. Mm-hmm. Two kids, a dying mother. Actually, I was younger than you. Two kids, a dying mother, a husband who is a flat, like womanizer, and now I got to deal with this? And so I literally said, are you smoking crap? And he just looked at me and he he didn't have to say anything. And then that's when your dad's softy. Like it's yeah. like, I mean, who grows up and says, that's what I want to be. But by that time it had become habit. And that was the same time. I didn't know it at the time, but that's the same time when I was dealing with your mother and giving him no attention. That's when he was dealing with Brenda. And that's basically about the same time that Kevin would have been born And all this was going on. And I was just like, I can't believe it. We took him to the rehab at Kaiser. Mm -hmm. And I remember now, and I think. So your response was, let me help him, not let me run away from all this. You know me. I, I I don't go for the jugular in the beginning. And okay, let's see. What can we do? Do you want us to, you know? And at the same time, he was being backed in a corner at his job because, of course, by this time, it started to, I'm sorry, it has started to interfere with his work and it it definitely was interfering with the finances and so we took him to kaiser and there were chairs and customarily when you go with your husband and your wife you sit together he sat over there i dropped the bag in the middle and i went and sat over here Mm -hmm. and it was just like you know what it is when he came home from rehab it was like okay i'm better i'm gonna go back to work Let's move to a bigger house because we were at a two bedroom at the time. And Joe was a friend. Of, that was our landlord for the um, Oakdale, Oakdale house. house. Yeah. He was friends with Sandy. He was actually a butcher. And we went into we went we moved to that house and things were going to get be good again. Better. Yeah. So dad is now kind of going in and out of jail. He's using he would be gone before he started using in the house. He'd be gone for days at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pawning our stuff. And he did pawn my mother's jewelry. And infidelity in women. How are you feeling at this point as all this is kind of unfolding? I look back on it now, and many people have asked me that question. Many people ask me why I stayed. Many people are like, you know, I. the only way to describe it is, is think of a pie and your heart's a piece of pie. And you keep cutting out pieces, and then pretty soon there are no more pieces. It was like, I can't do it on my own. I didn't think I could do it on my own. And dad was still working, and he was making way more money than I was. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I have nowhere to go. I have no family. Where am I going to go? So you felt stuck and trapped. I, I felt like trapped. And I'm like, and this, the sad part is that 
I always loved your father and it was like I could I know the good person he is I just it's just it takes so much to get that out yeah I had a story about being left in the Audi on the side of the road at a park no clue and Jay had a story about being left in LA I hate to say it made me I can't I try I tried to bring it up with your dad and it's he just doesn't remember he doesn't remember and like when he's listening to your show and i know because he has a hard time with the computer so i put on like what episodes and most of the times we listen to him at the same time but not together Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking we started this at the same time why is he laughing at that that is not funny like to me it's inappropriate it's like how is that funny no i had the only i had no clue about any of that the only thing I did know, there was two incidences where I can remember that I knew. And one was the South Pasadena police one. Yeah, I remember that because you were pissed off. I was really pissed off. The second one, and I don't know if you remember, but when you were part of A Better Chance, you met Denzel Washington's son. Yeah, no, we I, we went out. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't Denzel Washington's son. It was Norm Nixon's son. There you go. There you go. And we went to a party for Norm. Mm-hmm. He was mar- married to Debbie Allen mm-hmm. at the time. Maybe still is. I don't know. But we went to a party at their home at their home because I, I met their son through a camp at UC Berkeley. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And I roomed with him and it was a academic camp and there was a birthday party. And I went with Dundee to the birthday party. and It was way out on the west side, like Santa Monica somewhere or something. And um, there was Denzel was in the kitchen. Norm Nixon, Debbie Allen. I think Charles Barkley or somebody. Yeah, It was bizarre. But yeah. And dad dropped us off and he's supposed to pick us up and. He was out doing whatever, and we sat around for an hour or two until he came and got us. No, he didn't come and get you. Debbie Allen called me. Oh. I was mortified, highly embarrassed, extremely apologetic. I'm in East Pasadena. To get over there was going to take me at least an hour and a half, and that's my mistake, and I have made many a mistake, and that's one. I don't know if I was in denial. I don't know if I had blinders on. I don't know if I was just trying to put food on the table and a roof over the house that I didn't see this. And I definitely don't remember you guys telling me any of you mm-hmm. being left in an Audi or Jay going to East LA on Alvarado Street at the park in an area. I mean, anyway, I can't, I, you don't even know it. It makes me have disdain for him. Yeah. And so she called me and I said, you know, I am so sorry. I don't know. Maybe he got, you know, and I'm, I, I'm an enabler and I would constantly cover up, oh, maybe he got lost. Maybe he doesn't know what, you know, maybe you've got the time. So I got in the car, put Jay in the car. And mind you, no cell phones, pre-cell phone, pre-beepers, yeah. all that. I'm headed out in the dark and more than likely we probably were low on gas and every dang thing else. I'm driving out to Timbuktu land and when we pull up, dad pulls up. Oh, because I remember riding back with mm-hmm. dad. So I didn't. And then he just looks at me and like I said, no filter when I get angry. In the back of my head, I'm like, I, I can't go off on this man when this woman's out here. And dad can pull himself together like nobody in their right mind who meets him would ever think that he's he is he has this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde side. Right. And I didn't say anything then. And I just remember like saying, okay, in my, and I want to say you were in high school, maybe 15. Mm, I think 14. I might have been eighth, ninth. Okay. Well, bottom line is I just remember to myself saying, okay, that's it. If there's a party, if there's something, I'm dropping off, I'm picking up. All right. That's it. Well, when you talk about not having a filter and, you know, I haven't seen it for years because I haven't been living at home. I mean, the last time I lived at home was for six months after college. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was 17. Do you ever feel like going at him so hard pushes him to do more? I do. I do. And I'm working on that as well. And I don't know if dad has will have noticed, but I have gotten a lot better. The way I deal with things is I, it's like, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden I just explode. Yeah. And when I explode, well, just. But you're also dealing with shit that people shouldn't have to. Yeah. And I mean, just stuff just comes flowing out. I become this evil, horrific. I say some, I mean, I don't even, it's like. I go, oh my God, that really came out of my mouth. Like I say some horrific, horrible things. I know it doesn't help. 
just like me. I've been fat all my life. I eat too much, got portion. I know my issues. And the more people say stuff to you, the more you end up doing it. I, I know I have, I have the same issues he does. It's just my drug of choice was food or is still food. And it's hard, but it, it's like, I can't, some of the things he does, it's like, are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. So out of curiosity, and I've asked this to Jay too, do you think he'll ever stop? At this point in time, because of the way he's in constant denial, like even when he's talking on the radio show, he uses the term cocaine. And then I heard him say, well, cocaine's the high. And I call it pulling a Whitney. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, Dad, he wants people to have respect for him. And that's why he, I don't want to say he enjoys jail, but that's why he does so well in jail is because there people hold him as this big, huge person, high regard. When he comes back out, he doesn't, your dad, I don't feel considers himself worthy. And I don't know how to change that. I can't change that. Only you can change that because, I mean, he has so much to offer and he could do so much, but he has to be able to put his demons aside. My childhood was perfect. Oh, okay. No, nobody in my family does drugs or alcohol. Really? Like this was the first time I've heard him be honest about that stuff. But he's still not honest. And this was the first time I've heard him say he was an addict because he always says, I can stop anytime I want to. And it's the first time I heard him admit that he starts with the alcohol because he doesn't want to do the crack. And then he has the two bottles of alcohol and the high is no longer there because now the alcohol has sent him into a depression. And then he goes and does the crack. I was doing real good with my filters until Jay and Kayali came back home. The only positive male role model that she has that's African-American besides is you. And the funny thing of it is, is she doesn't view you as African-American. She views you as Uncle Tony. And she's, that's all she's going to view you. And like when dad cracks on her weight, when dad calls her student, I mean, it's like he gets flustered. And then when he drinks, he says very mean things. And he says mean things to me. He says mean things to her. And I call him out on the carpet. I didn't say, and then he's like, I didn't say, yes, you did. And I know because Kayali has told me that Jay has called him on the carpet about it too, but it doesn't stop it. So do you think he will ever stop? No. Everything your dad does, he does to excess. Yeah. But he's what I call a binge addict. He's not a, like, I'm not, a, you're, no, you're not an alcoholic. Well, I mean, in the true sense of every morning you get up, you don't, no. He doesn't wake up and drink a no. fifth of Hennessy, but when he's drinking, he's drinking. He's a binge. When he exercises, he exercises to excess. When he deals with women, he does it to excess. Everything he does has to be to excess. And a long time ago when we were living in um, West Covina, we've done marital counseling more than once. And every time we, it was the first time he picked this lady. And each time you go into counseling, they quote unquote have to pick on you. Well, I chose to be the first one. So it was fine when they were talking about all my issues. But the minute they get out, got on your dad, it was like, oh, she's just prejudiced. That's not, you know, I'm not going back again. Then we went to Kaiser. Oh, he's a white guy. He doesn't know. So then we got a black guy. Oh, he's, he thinks he's white. And it was fine when they were ranking on me, but it was never okay when they were talking about his issues. And this white psychologist lady said something to me, and it stuck to my head. She goes, do you ever think about why he got as big as he is? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, just like your weight is a wall. He, that's his wall. Your dad has, I'm going to get you before you get me attitude. Oh, for sure. So in her mind, it was, he does all this weightlifting and he's super huge because that's his brick wall. Your brick wall may be your weight, but his is that. It's like, okay, I'm strong and I know it. And this is why I'm strong and you're not going to get to me. So I'm going to come back to KK. I kind of want to know your thoughts now in the sense that because you are straight edge and that you don't partake in any vices that cause inebriation, dad uses, he uses the dope, he'll use alcohol, and you know, he'll smoke weed with me from time to time. Jay drinks, she's not an alcoholic, but she'll drink um, and hang out. I drink and I smoke. Mm Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Like, does that bother you? Or does, what do you think when like we're all hanging out and we're watching a game or watching something and everybody's just kind of getting torn up? I know you notice it. I'm assuming you guys notice it. I don't come out here because it does bother me. I don't think it's appropriate. And I didn't know like you and your dad were smoking together. I mean, it's just not. It's Ever? Not, n- as an adult? No, as a, as an under 18. 
Oh, it was it was very rare. It happened like once or twice. And to be honest with you, I didn't know that your sister. I always thought this. I feel so stupid. I never realized she even drank. I didn't know she smoked in anything until one day you were living in this house, and I'm like, and she just did it so naturally in front of me, and I'm like, it you didn't know that Jay drank? It caught me. To- no, it caught me totally off guard. And then I started paying attention, closer attention. When she used to live with us, she didn't ever have there was no alcohol that I ever saw you know I mean it's just not something I saw and it's just funny and it's even with you and the alcohol other than the few times at Flint Ridge I I jokingly tell people you know what I sent my son to go to Grinnell for and they laughingly go what I said to learn how to drink because I didn't think you even drank like I knew you did weed of course but alcohol I didn't think when you were talking about it on the show I'm like I really honey I didn't know oh it it was a I didn't it was know. a every weekend occurrence. We would go up to Vaughn's and Dundee with Jack bottle of Soco and, and we'd get nice and go to Old Town. I lived in the garage, so I wasn't coming but, stumbling through the house. I would come through the back and go to but sleep. I still because you never I don't know how to say it, it was like I just figured weed was your thing. Like, I didn't think alcohol was your thing. And I knew when you went with those boys, because there was a time in eighth grade when three boys got, uh, it was at a Mayfield dance or something, and you and another nice boy, thank the Lord, they had passed out in the Ivy. And you guys somehow, I don't know what transpired. Well, that wasn't that wasn't middle school. That was high school. That was at prep. That was a kid. No, yeah. This was Mayfield. I know. It, it, it was May it was not Mayfield Junior, it was Mayfield Senior. Okay. And I remember that. But to my mind it was like Tony may have been high, but he wasn't drunk. Like those Yeah. You know, I mean in my head I really didn't think you started drinking to that extent until you got to Grinnell. When you're not occupied, that's when you have poor judgment calls. Well yeah, but I, I remember you would always blame things on Blair. In terms of me using any kind of no, I not if, yeah, you okay. Would. Well, maybe because I was angry or whatever, right? But it, it started at Chandler. I, I thought more. I blamed it on your father. No, you blamed you would blame stuff on. I mean, you would it that would be part of it, but you would always go back to Blair and it. But it started at Chandler. Mm. But to bring it back, because I want to bring back to KK. Now Jay had talked about and Dad had talked about how you were the one that shared with KK no. that Dad was using. Now the reason this stuck with me or like was believable was because you I remember you telling me about dad using so are you saying that you didn't tell KK I will tell you exactly what happened and it's funny because Kaoli listens to the radio show yeah I never said anything to her and she came down to me and was she says Nana that's my word that's not your word she goes don't you remember when I was laying in grandpa's bed and I found that pipe and her term was hippity hop and then it just stuck I never used that. She did. And to be very honest, she still thinks it's alcohol. Now she knows it's drugs. She doesn't know it's crack. She knows it's drugs, but she she used to think the hippity hop was because of alcohol. Mm -hmm. That's not my word. Hippity hop. That's hers. I did not tell her it was crack. I I just said, you know, that's, I, I don't even remember what I said, but I know I may have used the term drugs, but the hippity hop, that was straight up her word. Well, what about telling us? To be very, very honest, I probably did. Because I remember we used to go for drives. Whenever we had things to say, we would always end up in the car. That was always when we would talk. It wasn't, and I remember one time when you had, and I can't remember what the incident was, but you had something to tell me, and you literally told me, Mom, you were in eighth grade. We got to go in the car and take a drive. Now I remember that, yeah. But I can't remember. I don't what remember it, what it was for what either. What the story was. Yeah. But for whatever reason, we were in the car so much because we were driving to swim meets, to basketball, to school, to home, to babysitter. We were always together. So the car was kind of like, and maybe you thought I couldn't like reach back and snatch you, but I, you know, I don't know why, but it was our place. And I don't really remember telling you, but if you also remember at that time, I didn't have friends really yeah i had i had isolated myself and well you had like one or two i think you know um but lori was at that time yeah but she didn't know i keep things secret yeah i she didn't know the full extent and that's how gracie and i became friends because one day she came in very flustered and she told me something very personal and i was like oh my god that's what i have to deal with too and we've been that was like instant connection friends yeah because we had that connection. So I may have been just speaking out loud. Maybe 
I thought you guys should know or understand. I don't know. I don't remember telling you, but I'm pretty, I probably did because I am the person that would, is more than likely, I'm a, I'm pretty much a, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this situation because it's been brought up more than once in the show. And I know it doesn't necessarily relate to dad, but you and Jay, your guys' relationship is very strained. Extremely. I was completely shocked, surprised, and also kind of elated at the fact that she said when she was a little girl, you guys were like best friends. We were. She even wrote, we even, I even have, and I still have it, where the teacher says they had to write like what they like to do with, she said, me and my mom when we watch videos. And like she drew a picture. We were really close. I take full blame for it. When we were on Oakdale, she had her own room. I had chosen to sleep out on the couch and I had gone to my doctor, Dr. Michael Mitchell Kaiser, one of the best doctors I ever had in my life. I actually remember that dude. <laughs> and he said, what's like, I just looked really stressed. I had been putting on weight. Like I just looked like, I guess I just looked really bedraggled. I explained the situation to him and this was before I knew of some of dad's health concerns. And he said, do you realize when he's out there, you don't know what he's doing and who he's doing it with. And you have children and who's going to be there for your children. Because from what you've told me, you have no other family member. Like, I wouldn't have even known who who you guys would be able to go to. Right. And then I thought to myself, okay, in order to protect them, I have to protect me. So I just started sleeping out on the couch. When the house, there was a program with the city and that's how I was able to get that house. I really wanted a house, but we only qualified for that. And I told dad, you come, but you're going to have to have that. Like basically. We're still separate. This is it. This is, that was kind of our defining moment of, I have no emotional connection to you. So you can do what you want. I really don't care anymore. Like I could walk in and see you having sex with a woman and I'd be like, "Mm, whatever. And I just step over it. It was that moment because so much had gone on. He had been to rehab multiple times. He had been in and out of jail. The usage was just, I don't know if you remember, but at the Lincoln house, he was, he had gotten that settlement. Yeah, I remember. And I got my car. He bought several different things, but what nobody realizes is, I I don't know where this money went, but $10,000 was missing. And he had been held up in a hotel. And if you notice the marks on his face, he was there for so long doing it for so long that like things started happening to his body. Yeah. And it was like, okay, he's not going back to work. And I literally was working day and night. I don't know if you guys remember, but I worked 7.30 to 4 at Marshall. I came home, slept for two, three hours, made sure you guys had dinner or something. And this is where I'm, I'm remiss a lot. And then I would go to, to Monrovia and I processed IRS tax payments from 11 at night to 7 in the morning. So when I take my shower and get my clothes on, I would go to work over there from 11 to 7. Whatever clothes I had on that, then I would go from there directly to Marshall because I had to be at work at 7.30. Mm-hmm. And that's when I feel I was gone so much and I was relying on dad who shouldn't I shouldn't have relied on to be kind of like you guys were older and very independent. But I still relied on him to kind of rein in some of the stuff. I didn't know all this other stuff was going on. And I remember Jay was, she was in, she was in, in my room. We shared a room. We were still friends. And I want to say it was when she was like 13. So that would have made you 15. Right. You went to go, she was at somebody's house and I can't remember the situation, but you had a way of kind of like you would be a kid and then you just turn around and be a man. And Jay has the same attitude. She'd be a kid and turn around and be this grown woman, but you guys are really like 12. And you went to go pick her up and you said, I went to the door, I knocked on the door and no one came and it's all dark. And you were all mad. And I remember taking you, something transpired. I don't remember what. Jay didn't really tell the story, but something happened and we ended up having to go to Kaiser Sunset and they have what they call a teenage clinic there. So they take you guys in without the parents there, and you guys kind of spill your guts. Well, I could be wrong at the age, but for some reason in my head, it was 13, and I believe that was her first sexual experience, and I was mortified at myself 
I was angry at your dad. I begin to think that I should have, like, I should have left. I can't believe I've done this. And I don't know how to say it except for I felt like I couldn't, I was losing control. And when I lose control, I don't, it's like all of a sudden my brain is, I don't think right. I, I get, it's like weird things happen. And all of a sudden I felt like she's not my baby anymore. I can't, how am I going to bring her back from this? She's so young. Like this shouldn't have happened. Was it, was it consensual? Like she said it was consensual, but was it really? Like were, were they older boy? Like, and I felt like I could no longer protect her. I was no longer able to. So did that cause you to reel back though? Because of who I am, I look at myself now. I don't think I would do that now. But back then when I didn't, when I don't know what to do, I just go back and I don't do anything. Yeah. Which is the wrong thing to do. And I know that I'm better at it now. And I remember you telling me the other day, well, you, you're the one who taught me options. Yeah. I always have plan A, B, C, D, and F and G. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a plan for this. I'm going to talk to your dad. Yeah. Not really. I'm going to talk to you. No. I try to talk to Jay. And I don't know if that was like the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, that was the beginning of the strain. And another thing I remember, and I, I love Jay so much. This is so funny. But she can be so stubborn that it is not even funny. And I remember because my room, you know, my room's here and then your guys' rooms were diagonal and hers was to the right. And I remember something happened and I took almost everything away from her that she had. So what she does, what she did or would do when she was younger was she knew how much it bothered me for her not to talk to me. So she would sit on the edge of her bed and I would walk up the stairs to go in my room or do anything. And I would speak to her and she'd just give me that look. And she didn't say anything. And she refused, like, hmm, I'm going to get you. I'm not going to talk to you. And I would, it would just drive me so crazy. And you could see the look on her face. And it was this half angry but half like Chester Cat, <laughs> I got her, <laughs> kind of grin. And I was just... I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed. And I don't know if you remember, but it's the same time I put up the the sign on the kitchen because you were, had kind of gotten out to the left at that point in time now too. And I put, I made up rules and I put it on the refrigerator and I called it the Harrison Penitentiary. I remember something like that. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think any of them stuck for more than like 14 hours, but no, but basically I went to the 99 cent store and I got, they had um, primary colored picnic basket. It was a cup, a bowl, a plate, spoon, fork, and knife. Everybody had their colors. I took all the other dishes out of the house. And if you guys wanted more food, you had to say, may I get a this? If you, may I get up from the table? May I sit down at the table? And so I said, okay, so you want to see what it's like to be in the penitentiary. And if you keep on this path where you're going to be, then that's what it's going to be. And you were the type, it was hard for me to punish you simply because how am I supposed to punish someone who's bringing home A's, does everything he's supposed to do in school, but still acts a fool? Yeah. I mean, it I'm was taking like... taking care of my responsibilities. Yeah, it was like the most... And I'm like, what can I do? And with Jay, she had this creative side. And she talks about... I know she said that we thought we should push you more because you were smarter. I hate to say it. Jay's actually smarter than all of us. She just learns and thinks in a very different manner. Jay's the most intuitive person I know. She can sense something. She can feel something. She's extremely creative. But to send her to private school, I would be setting her up for failure because she was already that far behind. And I was, we were taking her to like Arcadia reading. We were taking her to all these places to try and help her. And it was out of pocket money because insurance wasn't covering it. And then it just got to a point where we couldn't afford it anymore. But anyways, back to um, where we were with the penitentiary. So we did, I did that for a while. And then you kind of, either you hid your stuff better from me, which after listening to the show, that's what I'm finding out. No. But I was like, oh, okay, this worked. So every time you guys would kind of like, go out there, I would say, do you want me to put this back up again? And I am so not a disciplinarian. I am such a little wussy wuss. And I don't like to hurt people's feelings. And I'd be like, oh, my God, they're not going to, you know. And I would, I didn't know. And everything else in life was so messed up that I guess I felt like I was adding to it. And then you would, you started doing your stuff. Jay was doing what she was supposed to do. You were doing what you were supposed to do. I was working. And I'm not saying things were good, 
but at least they were progressing forward. It was like, okay, everybody's in school. Great. Ooh, nobody's pregnant. Nobody's yeah. nothing. Well, I mean, I know the relationship has been strained between you and Jay from there on out. And it's, you know, progressively gotten more strained. But I hope at some point you guys can sit down and at least share to begin to mend some pieces together. It'd be nice. I think that when she moves to Arizona, I think it's a very good plan for her. And... I'm sure she'll see success. It's hard for me. I view her as she's the she's an excellent mother. And I I'm intrusive. I'm yeah. nosy. I'm controlling. It's like, oh my God, if she if we don't do this paperwork, then this isn't gonna happen. If she doesn't do it this way, then this Yeah, but you gotta let you gotta let her deal with that on her own. I know. So I have to say I'm I'm can't say I'm maybe ten percent better than I was before, but it's still hard for me because I've been there. Yeah, I know. You know what? I know the outcome. You know what she? Well, you'll know the outcome. You know what could potentially? Yes, I know the the potential outcomes. And again, I think where it goes back to perception with you, and you have to. And I, I still did it with you for a long time. And you just kind of whatever. And you don't. I know you don't really hear half of what I say. So it just kind of. I hear it. I just. You have the tendency to go on tangents. Exactly, I do. I know. and and I'm okay with tangents. I you know, but I like the nitty gritty of stuff. Tell me what it's, uh, it, and don't take this the wrong way. Uh-huh. It's similar to a, a, not in what you're saying, but the process. Sometimes when we have conversations, it's the same feeling I get when sitting in a faculty meeting. Not that <laughs> what's not being said is important, mm-hmm. but all the other filler shit in there. You could have given me the short and dirty memo bullet point, and I would have got everything you had to say without having to sit here for three hours. I understand that, and I hear what people are saying. It's not me. To bring it back to Jay, and I talked to Dad about this, and Jay dropped a bombshell in her episode oh about God. Eric. When you it heard that. It sick to my stomach because I always felt somebody had done something to her. And Jay doesn't realize how really similar we are. We're, we're different. We're extremely different, but we're actually very similar. I did not know about that. Well, no one did. That was the first time she ever At spoke of all, it. But I always had this feeling because of certain things. I And I, I remember even there was a situation at Sandy's and she swore up and down, nothing happened to her. But I still, I don't know if you remember, and I don't want to put people's business out there on blast, but it was a pretty serious thing, and it created this person to have to be incarcerated in a juvenile facility for three years, mm. and it involved another neighborhood child. No, I, I know what you're talking about. I, Sandy the babysitter, not Uncle Sandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Sandy the babysitter. Yeah. No, um, our, and I'll mention it. Our babysitter's son, who was in high school at the time, had sexually molested one of the kids at the daycare center, mm-hmm. point blank. I mean- Mm-hmm. when he went to jail for it was not anything to do with Jay per se, but I know that, yeah, you know, that's, that's a they felt concern. Like the, the, the parent called me on the phone and asked me what to do. And I said, I can't make that decision for you. And she said that her daughter and Jay were together. So she thought maybe it had happened to Jay. And I remember talking to Jay about it and she swore up and down Nothing happened. I feel like Jay would have told the truth on that. I believe she would have too. If she would have, if she tells the truth about her brother, uh-huh. I feel like she'd tell the truth Plus about someone who's a, not related. She's always been, a, and maybe she's kind of like dad. She has, she's really strong, but yet she's gushy too. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm just gushy all over. And I don't, I have a strong side, but it's a different type of strength than what dad and Jay and I think you have. But I was extremely shocked. I had absolutely no clue. I never noticed her acting any Well, plus different. she was so young. Yeah. She probably didn't know what the hell just happened. But I'm saying even when you, when Eric re-entered our life. Yeah. I, I wish I would have known then because I definitely wouldn't have. She didn't act any, like I would have said, I'm not going, I don't really want to go. And she never did that. But to me, that's a testament to how much Jay loves you. Jay would she would die for you well i know that i mean i know for a fact god forbid anybody ever does anything to you or those three boys she would catch a case and i think all of us would die for each other exactly but she takes loyalty to the next level yeah she does she takes loyalty to the next level and i heard dad say well i don't know why mom didn't talk to me 
I was listening to it at the same time he was. Uh And on top of that, the reason I didn't say anything on the drive over here was because dad had had, I don't know what you call them, but I guess they're half pints. A little small, like $5. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So he had had two of those and he was already kind of toasty. And when he's that way, things don't go pleasant. Okay. So the other thing I want to, another thing I want to get into is Kevin and Michael. Mm-hmm. It's not how right. did you found out about that? It's not how dad said. Love you, dad. Love you, too. Thank you for listening to Like Son, Like Father on the MPD Network. For more shows and more episodes, visit Multiple Podcast Disorder Network. That's mpdnetwork.com. Or leave a comment by emailing info at mpdnetwork.com. Hashtag Like Son, Like Father in the subject line. You can also visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash mpdnetwork. And follow the Twitter feed at Harris Antonio.